this workout's devastating. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a devastating workout. And, and I love that this workout comes at what we call the sticking point in the competition. Like every single thing that we do, there's what we call a sticking point. You could look at, you know, running one lap around the track as fast as you possibly can. At some point in time, doubt in your ability creeps in, right? If we look at running four laps around the track as fast as you can go, at some point in time, one of those laps is the sticking lap, right? It should be on that third lap where doubt creeps into your head. Like, I don't know if I should be here. I'm not having a good time. This workout, this is the one that's gonna bring that thought to surface. Fitness fans of all ages, welcome to the brand new Masters Fitness Championship podcast. Hey, we're gonna be talking all things MFC 2023 as we head up to September 29th to October 1st in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the War Memorial Coliseum. I'm your host, Kyle Shipp. I'm gonna be your guide through some of the most amazing conversations that you could possibly dream up, starting with today. And hey, let's face it, the master himself, Chris Henshaw, is gonna be on the podcast. We get a chance to break down the MFC 2023 workouts. And uh, hey, you know what? For those of you listening real close, even though that first workout is a surprise, Chris may accidentally slip in just a little bit of a hint. Um, so pay close attention as Chris guides us through. Hey, stick around at the end as we take a look at some of the guests that are going to be coming on the show in the next couple of episodes. But ladies and gentlemen and fitness fans, excited to bring you Mr. Chris Henshaw. Hey, fitness fans of all ages, welcome to the Masters Fitness Championship Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Shipp, and uh, the man I'm with does not need much of an introduction. It is the emperor of exertion himself, uh, <laughs> Coach Chris Henshaw. Coach, thank you so much for joining us and, and for talking a little bit about this event as we go through. Well, Kyle, I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be here and support you and support this competition. Yes, sir. Well, Coach, I, 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 we got so much to talk about, so I want to dive right in. Um, obviously, we're going to be breaking down the weekend for the athletes, um, and, and we're going to start off with a bang, quite frankly. We're going to start off with a surprise. Coach, what do you think, it's, uh, what do you think the impact is going to be on athletes? There's obviously a lot of adrenaline, a lot of nerves coming into that first workout, and now they're going to come into it and have really not much prep time. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that this event is, it's almost a surprise. It's going to be dropped in the laps of athletes and it's going to test their ability to, to think on their feet. Um, many athletes will have a coach that has, you know, much deeper level of knowledge. They've seen a lot more workouts. And if that coach has time, they could do a deep assessment of how that workout relates to the strengths and the weaknesses of the individual that doesn't always need to happen in sport. Sometimes it's important to test the athlete's ability to make decisions on the fly. And that's what this workout's going to do. Now, what I love, as you see, the workout's not very complicated. So an athlete should be able to wrap their head around it really easy. As a first event, I love it. I love the fact that there's nothing complicated. Um, every one of these athletes should enjoy the simplicity of this workout, but this is also a sneaky one. 
this workout is going to just look at the time domain. It's going to cause some damage. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we, we have, we have the first event. So we move into the second event now and, and now we really start to move into, I mean, first off, everything is your expertise as we have learned time and time again, coach, but now we move into event number two, which is a 500 meter swim. Um, coach, what, uh, first off, we don't really see long swims in many competitions. Uh, what do you think this is going to do? You know, a lot of people will look at this workout and they'll say, wait a minute. It's 500 yards. So, I mean, I'm not sure if they're swimming meters or yards in this, if it's long course, short course, that will matter. Um, short course means that there's just going to be a lot more turns. 500 yards is, is 20 lengths of a pool. And, um, for, for many people, the turns are going to help because that's an area for them to, to catch their breath. Um, we could talk about that uh, in, in a second, because if I was looking at this event, that's where I would find my relief. But 500 meters, what's nice about it is that it's a true test of endurance. I mean, yeah, you see the time cap of 12 minutes and some people may cap out on it. For me, it's somewhere in that and I still know how to swim reasonably well. And it's somewhere in that six minute range um which is considered an endurance time domain this isn't something where you can just push and and you know make you know a, a huge effort at the beginning and then be able to finish out within three minutes no this is something that you're gonna have to endure so i like this test one of the things about this that's so fascinating is that when i do assessments of swimming ability in the crossfit community what I do is I compare a sprint such as 50 yards or 50 meters, and I compare it against 400 yards or 400 meters. Why? Because one's an anaerobic and one's an aerobic. Well, if I'm testing at 400, this is something that's going to require much greater endurance, much greater ability. And that's why I like this. I think it's a good test. So you talked about the uh, the turns and and resting a little bit more if there are more turns. Um, how how does that how do you think that plays in over? You know, you, you're talking about this is this is a little bit shorter. I mean, we're not talking about a, a mile long swim. How does that play in in terms of of the benefit of taking a break a break on the turn? Yeah, so this is where a lot of athletes will sit and think, oh, I can make a lot of time by doing a flip turn. That's a mistake. I mean, part of what we want to recognize is that. When you are fatigued, you can't hold your breath as long. And so if I am a, a moderate swimmer, then I'm thinking, you know what? I could make a lot of time. I could get a lot of distance, free distance, free time in the turn, but I've got to be able to hold my breath. And so what you want to do is do an open turn, take a nice breath, doing the turn on the wall, and then making sure that you get a good long push and glide and then that breakout needs to be past the flags that's the goal if you can do that you've just chopped a massive amount off of the total distance yes sir so in in looking at this coach if somebody's going to be competitive over the course of the weekend um you know seven events do you think they're going to be able to take a bottom finish in a uh, in in the swim event you know, that's a really a tough question. Um, we've seen it happen. 
we've seen it happen, but the workouts and the way in which they flow here, I'm not sure that you can make up the points if you end up getting a bottom third type of a finish here in this event. Um, yeah, that would be a tough one to make up. You know, what's interesting, isn't it? That, that swimming has been a part of the sport since day one. Why isn't that people don't just get in the pool and swim one time a week? Just once. You know, I, I will say, Coach, I've been working on my swimming lately. Really, I've been working more on my buoyancy. Um, yeah. So I, I have, I have uh, expanded my, my borders, so I float very well. Um, but anyway, outside of me. Um, so Coach but, I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I, I talk about with, with athletes. I mean, at the highest level, like sometimes maybe what you do instead of taking, let's just call it an easy day, why not just go to the pool? And sure. you may not be the best of swimmers. So go and get yourself a pair of fins and swim with the fins. The fins are going to get your feet, your hips up so that the, the legs trail the torso. So you won't get that drag. And it will really be like a recovery day. And that way, when you're not coming into an event like this, as the second event, all of a sudden, it's just like, there goes my competition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, and sir. unfortunately, that's what's going to happen when some people see this. There goes my competition, and it shouldn't feel that way. Yes, sir. So for for athletes uh, that are there, you're obviously going to be taking on uh, the the unknown event in event one, and then the swim event event two. Uh, what type of what type of lag are we going to see that causes over the course of the weekend? I mean, is there something that people aren't going to be prepared for moving from day one to day two? Well, so what's interesting is that that hinging movement is very similar to what you will experience in the water. For athletes that are not good swimmers, one of their biggest limitations are that they hinge at the hips, that their legs drag, they sink below the torso. And every time that the legs sink or break the plane that the, the torso creates in the water, they slow down. That's why when people kick, and they bend from their knees versus their hips, the knee breaks the plane of the torso and it slows them down. Well, imagine that you've got midline instability going into the swim. And CrossFit did this when they created that swim workout at the ranch, right? They, they did slam balls and GHD sit-ups. That was creating a similar type of an effect. That is going to hurt a weaker swimmer. Unfortunately, the weaker swimmer, as they finish day two, they're going to feel much greater levels of fatigue. Nicely, though, these workouts, you know what, so far, it's not going to, in my opinion, be too damaging. They'll be able to recover and come back. Yes, sir. So then, then talking about coming back, coming back in day three, uh, we've got uh, Bjorndalen. So a thousand meter ski and then every minute on the minute starting at zero athletes have 20 crossovers. Now I, I got to tell you coach, as I was looking at this workout, uh, I think there's always that, that danger in CrossFit that we look at a workout and we go, Oh, that's, that's not too bad. And then those are the ones that leave us on the floor. Um, what, what's the hang up here? What, what is it that I'm going to go? Oh, that's not too bad. And then everyone's going to be devastated. So the tricky thing here is, is that they're combining it's almost okay. So at, in the 2022 games, they combined skier with swimming. Now that was creative in my opinion. Why? Because the movement patterns of the swim stroke and the rotation 
of on the ski are very, very similar to one another. Well, the same thing holds true with the skier can jump and rope. So this movement pattern that you're creating while on the ski is very similar to the movement pattern that you will be doing these crossovers. That's gonna surprise people because the motor efficiency that they have, the movement efficiencies isn't going to be as robust. It's not gonna be as clean. So my recommendation is, is that if they've got some notice, the key is they've gotta practice this because their coordination is going to be off. The athletes that get it and the ones that make the first couple of reps, in my opinion, They've done their homework and they're gonna shine in this workout. This is a workout that is focused around skill. And have you been developing that skill under fatigue? Mm -hmm. Is this a is this a just full out get as far as you can on the ski every time, or are we trying to are we trying to reserve a little bit? It depends on your skill set. Um, it, it really depends on the type of athlete. And this is where athletes need to know. Am I good at a skier? Is that an advantage for me? What about the crossover? Is that an issue? Is that an advantage? Athletes must weigh their strengths and weaknesses. And this is a beautiful workout for them to do a deep dive into themselves. This is what we call athlete ownership. Yes, sir. So, so we move, boy, you, you talk about athlete ownership. Uh, we move into event four, the gallows. And uh, I, I got to tell you, looking at this one. So this is one, this is the opposite for me of looking at Bjorn Um, This is one <laughs> that just blows your socks off when you look at it. So you got a three minute running clock. There's going to be three rounds of this. It's going to be a 300 or a 250 meter row on the, the concept two. three deadlifts at 365 or 265, uh, three or two legless rope climbs, and then a 150 foot handstand walk. So just so it, 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 when I first read it, I got a little bit confused. You only got to go through all of that once, but you've got three minutes um, to do as much work as you can and then a 60 second break. And then you start again. So you got three rounds to try and get through the 150 foot handstand walk. And, you know, coach, I, when the email I sent you, I think uh, the note I made is, is this the most difficult workout of the weekend? Um, I don't know if I'm going to be surprised by your answer or not. I, I'm not sure what you may say, but, but what, do, what do you think about this? This workout's devastating. I mean, it's, it's, it's a devastating workout. And, and I love that this workout comes at what we call the sticking point in the competition. Like every single thing that we do, there's what we call a sticking point. You could look at, you know, running one lap around the track as fast as you possibly can. At some point in time, doubt in your ability creeps in, right? If we look at running four laps around the track as fast as you can go, at some point in time, one of those laps is the sticking lap, right? It should be on that third lap where doubt creeps into your head. Like, I don't know if I should be here. I'm not having a good time. This workout, this is the one that's going to bring that thought to surface. What's the, uh, what's the, the 365 deadlift for men, 265 for ladies? That jumps out at me. We don't see a lot of that in competition uh, when we're not talking about, you know, a deadlift ladder, how's that going to affect the legless rope climbs into the 150 foot handstand walk? Yeah, I, that weight to me is, is incredible. I mean, it's, it's, it's a remarkable load. Um, 
I, I don't think it's going to be as damaging as we think. I think that the legless rope climbs into that that handstand walk, that is going to be the, the tricky transition. Um, I, I, I find that the, the rest, I mean, let's talk about that rest. You get 60 seconds of rest, right? Yes, sir. What are people going to do during the recovery? So it's interesting to me that now we see within the CrossFit space, we see interval style workouts where there is a set amount of rest along with the, the work. And the reason why the rest is included is we can increase the level of intensity by providing that athlete recovery. But the key is, the key, the purpose, we've got to make sure that the athlete understands the value of that 60 seconds. What they do during that second matters. And this is where master's athletes really have to take note on the purpose. It's to put you in a better position going into that next interval. But what do you do during that recovery? It matters. So in our sport, and this is what I love that, that this competition has this in here so that we can drive home the importance of recovery and what to do. So a lot of athletes, they're not quite sure what to do. And we will see athletes in this workout that don't listen to this video. They'll recover for their 60 seconds in a deep isometric squat. They'll be down in the squat just recovering. There's nothing moving. There's not clearance of anything. There's no difference of doing a recovery in a deep squat or, heck, why not just recover while holding onto the rope like this? <laughs> right? Yes, sir. What you want to realize is that if you get recovery, then you have three things to think about. The first is get your breathing under control. Once that's under control, then you got to move. Keep those slow twitch fibers moving slowly. What that will do is help them keep that lactic acid, that acidity, getting consumed by slow twitch fibers. It will help you recover. And then with about five seconds remaining, you get the head back in the game. You think about the very first thing that you're gonna do once you go back in for that next interval. I think the key in this workout honestly is what athletes do during that recovery. Yeah, uh, I, I really like it. it. It's interesting that you say thinking about the very next thing you do because I, I get caught all the time when I have an interval workout. You get finished with that rest and then as soon as the clock hits, it's like, okay, now what do I do? And right, right. you get caught. Yeah. Yeah. That's so it. everybody does that in, in the recovery and it's, it's, they, they, they are so concentrated on, okay, wait a minute. And, and their, their assessment of their own damage, that's not the purpose of the recovery. All right. What you must think about in that last five seconds is what is the very first thing I am going to be doing? And that could be, what foot am I starting with, you know, when I go to move? Once you do that, the body will just take over by itself. And so that's the key. Don't think too much. Just what's the first thing. And once that fuse is lit, the body will just take it over. Sir. Well, so wrapping up day two then, had a, had a, a long day already. Move into event five, the triple threat. Now, if anybody's listening, you're going to want to get a pin out. If you don't already know, there's a ton of numbers here. Just know the, I love bar, it. <laughs> the bar is always at 135 for men, 95 for women. Um, and, and, and it'll go lower as the age groups progress. 
Um, but but just know 135.95. So it's 50 back squats, 40 toes to bar, 30 shoulder to overhead, 40 front squats, 30 pull-ups, 20 shoulder to overhead, 30 overhead squats, 20 chest to bar, 10 shoulder to overhead. Coach, there is a ton of numbers here. Where and why do you see athletes really starting to break down? This workout's going to get progressively more difficult. I mean, that's what is so interesting about it is that the numbers drop, but the fatigue will be higher than it. Then, so let me, let me say that again. As you progress through this workout, yes, the numbers, the number of repetitions that you do, they drop. But unfortunately, the fatigue is increasing almost at an exponential rate. And so even though you're doing, you know, significantly fewer overhead squats, the fact is by the time that you're done with that number of reps, the fatigue will be significantly greater than it was on the back squats. And that's what should be creating some concern for people in this workout is that it's going to get progressively more challenging. To me, this workout is where the opportunity sits. If you're an athlete that has done its training and you are prepared, that last workout, the one just before this, will devastate people and you're gonna carry that fatigue into this workout. If you can mitigate the damage, if you can recover from that last workout, this workout will be the one to separate you from the remaining contenders. In my opinion, this is the workout that's going to showcase the person that's going to win. Oh wow! There's boy, and and that right there, that's a a Chris Hinshaw stamp of approval. I love that. Um, so so with this, do you see if 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 we make an assumption that there will be gobs of people that get stuck on one movement here? Do you think it's going to be one of the movements on the rig or, or is that going to carry over and we're going to see people struggle maybe on the overhead squats? I was thinking it's the overhead squats. I think that's where the sticking point in this workout is. Um, you get through that, you're home free. Um, I mean, those chest of bar pull-ups, unfortunately, if, if, if you don't have those can gobble up lots of time, but I, my feeling is, is that once you get through those overhead squats, I, for most of the athletes, I think they've got it made. Yeah. Yeah. I was, you know, just looking at that first, you know, 90 reps to start off with the 135 back squats. And I don't think that's going to scare anybody, but if you have people that stay under that bar for 50 reps and then hop up and do 40 toes to bar, I tell you, go into the shoulder overhead and then into the front squat. I'm not sure you're going to have much of a midline left. No, think about all the midline that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is uh, this is a midline intensive last two days. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. So, <laughs> so just to uh, just just because uh, just because CJ has not given everybody enough pain, start off day number three, so championship Sunday. Every second counts. We got 20 burpee box jump over. So everything is a 24 and 20 inch box. 10 cleans. All bars are 205 and 135. And then we're just going to do a whole bunch more times. 60 burpee box jump overs, eight cleans, 12 burpee box jump over, six cleans, eight burpee box jump over, four cleans, four burpee box jump over, and two cleans. 15 minute cap here. 
Um, Coach, you know, I know there's there's a lot to this workout. What do you think about the weight on the cleans here? It, it, it actually surprised me a little bit. Uh, I think I like the 205, but I think that's heavier than I anticipated. I agree with you. I think that looks incredibly heavy. It's always interesting for me in workouts how like you and I will, will look at a workout like this. And, and for me, the, the bur burpee box jump overs, I love it. I love that it's in there. I find those to be challenging, but reasonable. But for athletes that are bigger athletes, taller athletes, heavier athletes, that is a challenge, right? Because that, that ballistic jump over the box is going to create a level of cardiorespiratory fatigue that is going to limit their ability to perform in these cleans. The problem is for, for athletes that can manage those burpee box jump overs like myself, we're going to have to do singles in those cleans and take a decent amount of rest in between each of them. And so our advantage is quickly gobbled up. Well, you know, it, it's, it, it's interesting. I look at the, the interesting movement here, the movement, movement um, correlation between the, the burpee into the box jump and having to get from that, you know, kind of that hinge position and stand up out of it. And, and the way in which that's going to carry over to the claims, quite frankly, um, because you go from that, 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 on the ground, then you stand up, and as you raise up out of that position, we kind of, not exactly, but we kind of mirror a little bit of that explosion going into the clean. I tell you, oh, by yeah. the time they get down to that that four cleans and four burpee box jump overs, boy, I it, that make it a little hairy. Is there something with the burpee box jump overs that you look for with an athlete that you think is going to be able to sustain throughout the whole workout? Yeah, so if there is an athlete that establishes rhythm, they establish a cadence, right? And it's a consistent cadence, not necessarily fast. It's looking for its consistency. Are they consistently moving? And that's the key. I am always looking for whether an athlete's head is in the game. And anytime that athletes have randomized movements, right? That let's just say they do a clean and then they rest for 10 seconds. And then the next time they, they do it, they do a touch and go. And then the next it's 15 seconds. That's an athlete who is completely checked out. What we're looking for in this workout is the athletes that are moving consistently. Do they have a rhythm to their movement? Those are the ones that are really thinking strategically, the heads in the game. And that is critical because they've done a lot of work so far going into this workout and they still have one to go. And what we're looking for is, is there opportunity for anybody in this field to take the first place or top place contenders and push them aside? If that first or top contenders are randomly moving, that's a sign that they could be beat. Wow. So, Event seven, and I'll tell you, this one has just a little bit of everything. Um, event seven, three rounds for time, 30, 20 cows on the echo bike, nine, seven ring muscle-ups, 60-foot overhead walking lunge. Um, so going hard and high skill to wrap up the weekend, if you're going to pull out the championship, you're going to do it through the fire. Um, so the one thing I really wanted to ask you about this, Coach, you know, for years, we used the assault bike. That was that was kind of the standard. And then uh, Rogue comes out with the Echo. We start seeing the Echo bike a little bit more in competition. 
I think we're seeing a little bit where it's transitioning in gyms now where they have the, the echo bike uh, a little bit. I know some still work with the assault. How are people going to attack this workout being the last workout of the weekend? Um, is this, a, I mean, is this a go full out pedal to the metal? Are we reserving? What do you, what do you think the attack is for these 30 or 20 cows? Here's the problem with it. If you attack and you, you come off of it winded, you're gassed, you're hyperventilating, your demand for oxygen is exceeding what you could supply. And now you've got to go into those muscle ups. The problem is going to be, you got to get through those muscle ups, but are you breathing through those muscle ups or do you have to brace? Do you have to hold your breath? Well, if you do and you come off of that echo bike hypoxic, mm -hmm. now you've created a position for yourself that is going to force you to dramatically slow the deeper end of this workout. And so you'll make it through in the beginning. The question is, is, is that risk worth it on the back end? And that's where even if someone's taken off early in this workout and they've established a decent lead, to me, it doesn't mean anything because the damage is going to occur in that last minute. Yes, sir. Well, and, and the, the, the three rounds for time jumped out at me as well. Um, you know, you, you see these and, and for a final event, uh, you know, you've got to come back to the to the echo bike. I think when I initially read it, I was thinking, hey, one exertion, let's push and go and um, but the fact that you have to come back, you have 90 cows on the echo bike, 27 ring muscle ups and 180 feet of, of overhead walking lunge. Um, I know, you know, CJ has mentioned before he likes the slow boat race to the finish, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the slow lunge, something overhead. Um, boy, at the end of this, at the end of this weekend, uh, do you think that the final event has a slow boat race or do you think that there's really just one person who's going to be way out in front of everybody um, because it's just been such a long weekend with the midline? Look, this is a devastating workout because you, you are going to, if you think about it in terms of the walking lunge, look at the movement patterns and the muscle groups in the walking lunge. Look at what the legs are doing on the echo bike. And so you sit and think, oh, well, you know what? I'm going to preserve the integrity of my legs. I'm gonna kind of back off and do more arm work on the echo bite. Well, that's not gonna work because CJ's put in those ring muscle ups. And so you have to kind of back off a little bit on the echo bike to preserve the integrity of the arms so that you can survive the muscle ups. Well, then, like you said, unfortunately, you got three rounds to do. So all of those tactics, they're not going to matter. This is going to come down to whether or not you actually have put in the time to do 90 calories on an echo bike in a workout for time and not be damaged. And that is a tricky thing to do. I mean, for a lot of people just doing, I mean, I have people do hundred cows all the time. And if, if they can get hundred cows in under five minutes, that's flying. Well, this workout, this workout, you've got 90 cows on an echo bike. On top of it, that walking lunge is going to really be difficult. Yes, sir. It's a long weekend. This is a hard workout. There's nowhere to hide. 
I think that what CJ has done is he is trying to put Masters Fitness Collective with this programming at the pinnacle of the sport. This is what a championship level competition should look like. This is an amateur hour when you're coming here to Masters Fitness Championships. This is really showcasing the best of the best. That's why this workout, it's really going to be a test of who is the fittest master. Well, and, and after watching last year's, I think the thing that, that always impresses me and, and I'm looking forward to seeing this year, you know, I sit here and read these um, and, and you know, blown away and wondering, you know, how's anybody going to get through three rounds of that? And probably what's going to wind up happening is half the field is going to finish this workout and there's going to be a race to the end uh, pushing all the way. I, I think that's the thing that really impresses me about the master's community and the way fitness has developed um, is, is that these are workouts that, yeah, you can't do them every day, but these are workouts that when it's time to go, you go. That's right. That's right. I think that it's, it's something where a lot of athletes will sit and go, Poof. I mean, this is ridiculous. Um, and, and there are times when, when many competitions will get commentary of, oh, all of the events were long. Oh, all the events were too short. All of the events were, were cardio based. Oh, they were, it wasn't heavy enough. You know what? This competition, it has long time domains, but it also has a lot of very heavy lifting. I mean, look at the deadlift that we had to go through earlier. Look at those overhead squats. I mean, these cleans that were in the workout beforehand. No, there's a little bit of everything. That's why when we look at balance, this has good balance. In my opinion, it would scare me because of the loads. I love the volume, but you know what? My speed in terms of managing that volume is going to go out the window because of how heavy things are. Yes, sir. And so that's why you look at workouts like this. They're great CrossFit style workouts, but they're riddled with challenges. That's why if I'm looking at this weekend, you know what? I just got to look at workout one day one. Mm -hmm. And then when that's done, I'm just going to work my way through. What's funny is, is that when you look at this final day, it makes day one look easy, doesn't it? <laughs> yes, it does. It yes, really it does. does. We, we talked, it was funny. I was, I was looking back at day one and, you know, obviously the first event is an unknown for the athletes. So there's always a little bit of scare, but you know, the 500 meter swim and, and all of the things go into that, you know, kind of came out of that going, boy, this is going to be a day that's really going to tax them. And, and, and then we look at day three and uh, day one almost feels uh, uh, just kind of like the ramp into it. Yeah. It's interesting that that's a strategy when I write progressions for people and let's say you're doing multiple workouts, just as a competition is, what you want is you want it to start easy. You want to get buy-in. You want the athletes to go, yeah, it wasn't too bad. You know, I'm already, you know, one third of the way done and I still feel good. Well, that's a trap. That's a trap. And the trap is coming. You're just not there yet. And, and whether that occurs in, you know, workout number four or workout number five, it's coming. Yes, sir. Well, so no, uh, no qualms calling the champion the champion after this weekend. Um, I think the the volunteers will be used almost as much to scoop up athletes off the floor and help them get off as as they are for changing out weights. Uh, but coach, thank you so much for being here, uh, man. Coach Hinsaw, the the Sultan of the Stride, 
joining us to uh, uh, to break down these workouts. We thank you. We're going to have Coach at the event as well. Going to get a chance to hear from him. Uh, we're going to get a chance to to have his knowledge and my mustache breaking down events as we go through the weekend. Cannot wait. Make sure that you guys are looking, you're checking online, you're following the Masters Fitness Championship Instagram. Hey, and you know what? As we get close to the end of September, we're going to be excited and we're going to crown the fittest master in Fort Wayne in uh, the end of September, beginning of October. Coach, once again, thank you so much for joining us. What an episode to get us kicked off. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Hey, I told you we we're going to give you a glimpse at who was coming up next on the podcast. Going to have somebody who doesn't need an intro, but we're going to give her one anyway. Anna Tunnicliffe Tobias, uh, a Olympic gold medalist, 2018-2019 fittest on earth master 35 to 39 seven times crossfit games athlete and last year's mfc champion in the 40 to 44 division anna is going to be coming back this year we're going to be talking about that we're going to be talking about everything going on in her life of sailing we're going to be having a great conversation you guys aren't going to miss it so make sure that you follow and stay tuned